0: Since 2017, we've conducted an annual state of fitness survey that asks big questions about what you're doing to stay active, what you're spending on fitness, and what you think is coming next. Given that timeline, you can probably guess that some things have changed. Over that time, we've seen the proliferation of digital fitness content and a stay-at-home order that impacted parts of the world and our readership all very differently. But we're seeing a rainbow after the storm of a pandemic. Respondents shared that many of them are back in gym, And are spending on fitness again. Last week, we talked a lot about your fitness spending habits, and this week we're digging into what you're doing with your time. Because we want to evaluate how far we've swung back on the pendulum, we'll be doing a lot of comparison and contrasting between 2020 data, our 2021 survey, the mid-2020 pandemic survey, and pre-pandemic numbers. There is so much to unpack here, so we're talking about it all month, but today joining me is Kelly Makovich, who leads our community, and Dana Farber, who runs Moonstone Marketing and works with A Sweat Life on content strategy and social media. Dana also used to work in the boutique fitness industry for years, so she has a unique perspective on fitness and all of this. We've all been working on the state of fitness for months, so we have a lot to say. Actually, Kelly, I should I should add that you and I both worked in the fitness industry yeah. at some point, too. Kelly want to share what you did in fitness? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: was a hit trainer at a gym in Chicago called Sweat Chicago, probably for two-ish years, but I probably only taught I don't know, two to five classes a week. So very part-time. I also went through core power yoga sculpt and like training, which I never did anything with, but Mm -hmm. I have the certification. I also went through the IIN nutrition program, which I did nothing with either. Um, I just kind of did it all at one point in like 2018. I just wanted to get more and more involved in the fitness industry and just started piling up certifications. Does that core power? certification ever expire or you can use that? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe you'll see Kelly on a mat near you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird because I was not a big core power. Like I didn't really go to their classes very much. I was very much into hit workouts. And I'm like, I'm just gonna, I knew a trainer that was doing the training for newbies and I was like, maybe I'll try this, but it wasn't really my space at all. So I don't know. And, and to- I have a lot of thoughts, thoughts on that. So do Because I. it's very expensive and I think it's, I don't know. I don't,
0: I, li- I like core power, power, but I'm, I'm going to hold my thoughts. <laughs> you don't have to. I think it's a pyramid scheme, but that's just my, my, uh, my hot feeling. Take. Yeah. Hot take, hot take. Uh, I think a lot of things are pyramid schemes though. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly and I talk about this all the time. If it looks like a triangle, it is a triangle. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and then for me, I also, well, first of all, that's what life is fitness adjacent. So I talk about fitness all the time. I, uh, try gyms for fun and I analyze fitness in my spare time. Um, but when I was leaving my corporate job, while I was working on doing a sweat life full time, I taught upwards of 25 classes a week. I helped to manage a gym in Chicago's West Loop. That was very short lived. For some reason, I thought I could manage a gym, build a sweat life, teach classes and have like a part time job. Um, but anyway, managed crosstown or at least like assistant managed. I don't remember. (laughs) I was a Nike trainer for a minute. Uh all of that was delightful. But let's talk about what's good. By the way, I'm Gina Anderson Cohen. I didn't introduce myself. We start every day at a spot life by sharing one good thing. So, Dana Kelly, what's good?
2: Um, my what's good is that I am planning a lot of concerts this year. So, this was my year of going to concerts, and it is, we're recording this in February, but I have concerts. March, May, June, September, all throughout. Lots of artists I want to see.
1: Um, so I'm very excited about my year ahead
2: of music.
0: That was Dana's voice, by the way.
1: Kelly, what is good? <laughs> Wait, Dana, can you name a few of these artists? I uh, yes,
2: I'm to going know. to John Mayer's acoustic tour in March. Very excited. I'm seeing Bright Eyes, which my high school self would have loved in May. Um, I'm seeing Stevie Nicks, The Love of My Life, in September. <laughs> Um, and then a bunch of indie smaller bands, but, uh, yeah. So if you ever want to see me in person, I will be spending the majority of spring, summer, and fall at the salt shed in Chicago. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: Okay. Kelly, what's good. My what's good is I am taking tap dance classes. Uh, this is a new, well, new for me thing as an adult. I did tap dance classes when I was A kid, probably up until like teenage age. So a decent amount of tap dancing, but there's tap dancing class in my town and I just bought some shoes and I'm very excited to get back into it as an adult. So random.
2: See it on your Instagram and I don't know if I'll ever post. Please, 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 (laughs) please, Kelly. Maybe you okay. How to- about the, the tap dancing yoga class, mixing your yoga certification
0: with your tap dancing abilities? Um, I feel like you just out. created a sweat working week experience. Dana. <laughs> the hottest
2: workout in our 2024 state of fitness survey.
0: yeah I'm. Um, if if anyone, by the way, is watching this podcast and sees me looking around wildly, I am trying to figure out what the hell my puppy is doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bertie
0: yeah. the dog is pacing around. She definitely has to go poo. Um, <laughs> but she hasn't taken the opportunity whenever I've taken her outside because it is raining. So it's it's baffling mm. to me. Being a dog is hard, I think. Because you, <laughs> you can't speak English. Oh, my good thing, by the way, is, <laughs> is uh well, it's a two-parter. Um, one. Rereading the book, The Power, um, which was actually a recommendation from Kristen Guile, our former editor-in-chief at A Sweat Life, in 2020. I read it then, um, loved it, and I chose it. It was my turn to choose the book for A Sweat Life's Book Club. So I chose it for A Sweat Life's Book Club because I wanted to reread it. Ooh, lots of angry women in the book, and I am here for it because they're angry for a good reason, and they are just killing people with the power in the palm of their hands. Highly recommend reading it. I think they're making it into a show too. God um, help us all. I cannot wait to watch that show. Yeah, you won't hear from me. I will just be watching it. <laughs> I I feel like that's HBO or Hulu, right? It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. It's very. It's very Margaret Atwood. I mean, it's not Margaret Atwood, but it feels like.
2: Anyway, well, it's, I to be honest, the Amazon Prime. Everyone. Oh.
0: Okay. Well, there are shows on there that I like too. Thank you. Okay. This week we're talking about things that we are doing with our time. But before we talk about what we're doing, let's talk about our actual time. The average human who filled out our state of fitness survey told us that they're working out four days a week for an average of 49 minutes each time they work out. Let's let's start there. Let's ground ourselves in how much we work out. Kelly, Dana, how much do you work out each week? Kelly, you wanna go first? Yeah, you go first. Sure. I call we call in Kelly. Okay.
1: Uh so this it's definitely ebbed and flowed over the past several years. Right now I'd say it's higher than normal. So I feel like I'm like six days a week. And I would say average. Sixty minutes. Uh, I'm doing like group classes most days, and I'm usually running or walking most days. I feel like it adds up, especially if I go for a hike. That's like a couple hours. So, and skiing does that count? That counts. I think does we count. Counts. Skiing,
0: I don't know. Right? You're basically <laughs> so, in a squat, flying yeah. down a mountain. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, there's a lot of downtime when you're on the lift and drinking beers, but. Um, <laughs>
0: I'd say my activity level is very high right now. Colorado Kelly works out. Yeah, a lot. Colorado <laughs> Kelly that takes no days off. One day <laughs> off, which is good for you. All right, Dana, what about you?
2: Um, I would say the opposite of Kelly. My, my usage is probably down from what it would normally be, um, partially due to I always work out a little less in the winter and partially due to in the aforementioned episode, I'm still kind of trying to find which studio I want to settle in on. So I would say um, probably two to three times a week,
0: average about 50 minutes. Like that for you. Okay, do I count dog walks or no? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, right, so if, if we're counting dog walks, it's seven days a week. <laughs> but if we're only counting like studio fitness workouts, um, it's four to five days a week. Um, that said, birdie the dog. Um, that said, studio fitness, four or five days a week, 45 minutes. An hour long class to me these days feels like a lifetime. A lifetime. Um, so usually it's about 45 minutes. Uh, and I also am curious. Two things here. I'm curious if our <laughs> the dog is chewing on my hand. This is going to... No. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. This does as a workout. Yeah, this does count as a workout. Oh, my God. Dogs are so ridiculous. But I digress. What I'm interested in is if our readers and respondents are counting things like dog walks. Because we know that they're saying they're doing walking as fitness, but I wonder if when they're actually telling it up, they're saying like, okay, I go to the gym this many days a week um, and I walk outside. Anyway, the other thing, um, to both your points, Dana and Kelly, is during the pandemic, we asked folks if they were working out more or less or the same um, during the pandemic. And about a third of respondents said they were working out less. About a third said that they were working out the same amount, and about a third said that they were working out more. I'm working out the same amount I was during the pandemic and before the pandemic. Dana's working out less. Kelly's working out more. Um, So we represent the readers. We are you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the pandemic's effect on fitness, by the way, Um, speaking of. Um, we saw a lot of obviously digital fitness. We could talk all day about that. We will spend an entire week talking about digital and connected fitness. So we'll touch on it briefly today, but we're seeing fewer pandemic activities in general in the state of fitness survey. And what I mean by that is we ask people to tell us how many days a week that they're doing certain activities, like, like using digital fitness, like working out outdoors and in groups and with friends, um, like working out in a home gym. I categorized personally, um, as the person who did the analysis of the data, I categorized digital fitness, outdoor fitness, and home gym use as more pandemic activities. Um, But we saw fewer folks using digital fitness this year and fewer folks doing outdoor group classes this year. Um, But we did see home gym use, although it fell a little bit, it's holding pretty strong. So let's, let's break it down. How do these fit into your routine, Dana and Kelly, and any theories on what's next for any of these categories, digital fitness, outdoor, and home gym? Let's start with you, Dana.
2: Um, So I would say that I probably do digital fitness the same amount I did pre and during the pandemic in that maybe it's once a week. Um, I was never a huge digital fitness user, but I do love Allo Moves. Um, I think they have great classes. And I feel like if they have one in particular that's really good for menstrual cramps and I do it every single month when I get oh. my period. and pro tip, it's great. Um, that's also, maybe that could be my resource for this week. Um, but I love that. And another one, um, I you know I've talked about it frequently, with you guys. Um, I am a no shame cannabis user and I love the digital fitness um, community called Stoned and Tone. Um, it comes out of California. I know Morgan, the founder of it. Um, so I feel like if I'm going to gravitate towards digital fitness, it's for either a reason or because it's a community that I'm kind of tethered to. Um, I feel like digital fitness is not something that I would necessarily exploring as like a new, something new I'm interested in. Um, outdoor fitness, I think that is super I think it's so climate specific. You know, when I was living in California, I lived in California for three years before I moved back to Chicago in 2021. So I was living in California during the pandemic and I did a ton of outdoor fitness because it was the perfect weather, living in California, we could do it. Um, and I know I'll talk about it later, but I was the CMO of Stride Fitness, which is a walking running studio that pivoted to purely outdoor fitness because we could, because we were in Southern California and um, and and uh, Southeastern Florida. Those were our two open studios at the time. So it made sense for us. Um, so I'm not surprised that, that both of these uh, have kind of decreased. Um, I also think that, and I think I mentioned this last week, but I think that studios in general invested less in outdoor and digital programs just because I mean I think we all thought and hoped that it was going to be temporary. So mm-hmm. I think that as soon as indoor gym use returned, um studios, you know, quickly pivoted to supporting their indoor models that are the things that bring them revenue because outdoor fitness and digital fitness tend not to be big revenue drivers. So I th- I think it makes perfect sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, Kelly? So my
1: digital and home gym use is, um, I'd say almost zero. Like I don't really do either. Uh, Outdoor fitness went way up for me. I wonder if too, like the data, because we're, sweat life's always been more Chicago based and outdoor fitness wasn't really a thing. I feel like in Chicago before the pandemic, like it was very studio focused. And so it was a very pandemic um, activity where all the Studios were like, we need to still make money. How do we do this? Let's take everyone outdoors. Um, So I think that's why you see in this report that it went down because everyone is like ready to go back in studios and they're like, I want to actually use equipment. I don't want to do all body weight. Um, But for people that moved elsewhere where it is a warmer climate or a different kind of climate, like I'm doing a ton of outdoor fitness, way more than I ever did because of where I live.
0: Yeah, I guess... One thing to note um, for outdoor fitness is in 2021, uh, about four of our top 10 activity types were outdoor. And two of those aren't even on the list this year. So in 2021, um, number five was running, number eight was hiking, um, number nine was cycling outdoor, and number one was walking. Um and this year, or the end of 2022, hiking and outdoor cycling didn't make the top 10. Um, so I think it also could be a factor of um, of folks just doing less of it. Maybe they picked up hiking and outdoor cycling, or um, they moved back to an urban market or something like that. I wish we could just secondarily poll everyone and just be like, tell us more. Um, (laughs) That's what we know about questions. Yeah. Text them. Can I text you? We should actually include that next year in the survey. If we have questions about your specific answers, can we text you? We swear it's still anonymous. Um, Okay. So for me, um, digital fitness and outdoor fitness are different for me. Outdoor fitness, I think, because I consider dog walks to be (laughs) – because we're counting them um outdoor fitness is a big part of my life i'm moving constantly walking these doggos digital fitness is pretty much like non-existent in my world right now um i use in person workouts for like social connection um and human contact so as soon as i could i really got back to it um i have a peloton i'm sitting right next to it i have not used it since july Um, which is July of 2022, by the way, it's February of 23. Um, (laughs) so, um, I'm way down there. I do like to use, um, I like to use a meditation app. I like to use like a stretching app, but I'm not doing like any intense workouts, um, besides with the exception of like strength training in home gym with ladies who lift, um, but even that's less of like a guided workout. Um, but I think, I think we'll see all of that continue to change too as we go more hybrid. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of our favorite things to watch, and I've alluded to this, is the top 10. Um, we have way more activity types that folks who take the survey can choose from. Um, but let's go over what actually was in our top 10 at the end of 2022, starting with 10. Uh, Number 10 was bar at 13.2% of all respondents saying it was a part of their monthly fitness routine. Number nine was dance at 15.6, eight Pilates at 18.28, seven hit at 29.57, six indoor cycling at 32.6, five running at 35.27, four yoga at 42.14, two strength body weight. That's important, by the way, at 52.27. Two, strength with equipment at 61.7%. And number one was walking at 65.54%. So as we talk about the top 10, anything in that list surprise you? Dana, you go first. I think, and maybe it's because I'm biased because I worked
2: for a bar company for years. I am kind of surprised to see bar solo and to see bar below dance, I guess. Um, but I mean, I guess I'm not, it does make sense. There's less bar studios opening, but, but that one did stand out to me. Um, I guess I'm interested that in the, with the walking and I know we'll get into this, but you know, because people were able to just choose what they're doing, you know, does everyone just count walking, you know, no matter what else they're doing, maybe walking is just kind of in addition to that. Um, but you know, I mean, I would say I probably walk the most as a form of exercise, but yeah, so that's just interesting to me. I know we'll get into walking, but walking being number one is, is definitely super interesting.
0: Yeah. Before you add on your surprises, one thing to note when it comes to bar is it has been falling um, since 2019. So it was number six in 2019, seven in 2020, eight in 2020. With COVID. We did a pre COVID and a mid COVID survey, by the way. Uh, It did not hit the top 10 in 2021. So technically, it being number 10 um, was a resurgence Hmm. for bar. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to add a little color there. Kelly, what about you? Any surprises? Uh,
1: Well, I love that walking is the new top dog for fitness. Uh, I think that, (laughs) uh, I think working from home is has been a game changer for everyone and walking is so accessible. It's so easy. You, and, and the comparison to like the the whole home gym is holding strong. I think that just correlates to working from home. Um, So that makes sense to me. I, I was actually surprised to see, that hit is, is so low and it, cause it was so high before. Uh, I think it was always kind of in the top in, the pr- in previous years. So see it. I, un- I totally get that. We've talked about like low impact is more what people are interested in and walking, but I'm just for someone I, maybe it's because I was such like a hit enthusiast. And so to see that not come back when I'm, I'm definitely still interested in that type of workout. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of a, I guess not a surprise because we've been talking
0: about it so much, but it's pretty low compared to where it was in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, it has also been falling for um, the past few years of surveys. So in 2019 hit was number two, 2020 before COVID hit was number three, 2020 mid COVID hit was number six. So Mm -hmm. big fall. Um, I don't think people wanted to do burpees at home. Uh, 2021 hit was staying strong at number six and 2022 at the end of 2022, it was number seven. Um, so it's, it's been like a steady decline when it comes to hit. I personally don't want to do burpees anymore. Um, when I, and I also like, uh, don't want to do mountain climbers. I don't want to do a workout where it's like, I'm going to be doing burpees and mountain climbers and jump squats for 50% of the time. Yeah. I'm low key, a little
2: happy that hit is not the the thing anymore.
0: I also am curious if we're thinking about things differently. If we're if because I think like workouts are naming themselves a little more specifically. Mm-hmm. Like we know that there are more strength classes, there are more yoga classes. Are we thinking? Were we thinking about a lot of the classes? Now we're thinking about a strength like a Barry's bootcamp, for example. I probably would have called that hit in yeah. twenty. 17, 2018, and now I would call it like I break it down as strength and running. Um, So I'm wondering if maybe we're just classifying things differently too. Again, text, phone a friend, text a reader. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about variety. This is one thing that has been really interesting to me because I, frankly, when I was looking at the numbers, and I've been looking at these numbers for years, (laughs) when I was looking at the numbers again this year, specifically when it came to running, I asked myself why running had taken such a hit in its percentage, because in 2019, the percentage of people who told us that they were running was 59.96%. But in 2022, the percentage of people who told us they were running was 35.27%. So then I looked at all of the percentages of every single activity, and I realized that everything had more. every single activity type had a higher percentage in 2019, 2020, et cetera. And so all activity types have a lower percentage in 2022. So what that actually means, what that actually tells us is that our respondents are selecting fewer choices for their monthly activity types. They're doing less variety. Um, so I asked the ambassadors about this after I had this realization of, aha, that's what's actually happening. Like, yes, fewer people are running, but here's why they're doing less in general. So I asked if if everyone's doing less and ambassadors confirmed that post pandemic, they've kind of settled into routines. They're doing less uh, and they're doing what makes sense Them. Um, What do you think has led to variety suffering post pandemic? Dana, you go first.
2: I think that people are, you know, maybe wanting to support single studios a little bit more. I think that people are also just kind of searching for community. I think to Kelly's point last week, you know, a lot of people have moved during the pandemic and people are using fitness as a way to find community, whether that's running groups, whether that's boutique fitness studios, big box gyms. So I think that a lot of that is people kind of seeking that community and staying with less types of activity. Um, And I just think in general, like people are probably working out a little less, you know, but it is interesting to me that, that people would be like, to me, there's no direct correlation. I feel like from the pandemic to seek less variety. I feel like it's just the fact that people are seeking more community. So they're Mm -hmm. thus trying Less
1: things. They're going where their friends are, right? Kelly, what do you think? I would agree. I, yeah, I think people are are finally focused on a routine, a structured routine where they're finding community, they're finding what they really like to do. And I, you know, we spent a lot of time last I don't our last episode talking about finances too. So I think that that plays a part in in variety too. Like it costs more money to do way more things. Um, So I think it makes sense that people are doing
0: less. Yeah. But I also think to add to that um, one thing that also could be true is that multi-gym memberships like ClassPass, we've been surveying about like quitting and rejoining. And we asked if folks quit memberships like ClassPass and have rejoined and those rejoin numbers are way lower than gym rejoin numbers and boutique fitness rejoin numbers. So people are going to Dana's point, like people want to support their gyms and studios. Um, there have been articles from like Vice and other sources talking about class ClassPass's negative impact on studios and gyms. Although they have, like with the help of MindBody, tried to make more of a positive impact and guarantee revenue for studios. But I think consumer trust was kind of eroded, especially as they do want to support their studios. So I think they are, respondents are less likely to be on a service like GymPass or ClassPass on their own and sort of seek out variety that way. I don't know. (laughs) That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. All right, let's talk about walking. Walking is... Very effective. It's a low impact exercise. And according to Harvard Health, it's it's one of the most effective ways to sort of maintain your health and happiness. But I'm sure, I'm sure at this point that most respondents didn't even think of walking as fitness until 2020. Uh, We actually didn't include walking as a fitness type. And in 2020, during our COVID survey, people wrote it in. So we counted it as we physically counted the walking. Right ins and those walking right ins still put walking at number one. Um, what's your theory here? What do you think made people start thinking about walking as exercise versus before the pandemic? Kelly, you go first. Popcorn, Kelly.
1: I feel like there was not a lot of options for fitness. I think it, it totally disrupted everyone's fitness routines. Uh, you know, studios were closed, so if that was your type of fitness that you were doing, you're just trying to figure out what else to do. What I did during the pandemic was I called them walk, walk and talks. So like, it was a way for me to connect with friends too. So I'm like, let's, cause like at the time, you know, we couldn't really even go to coffee shops. There was like nothing. So, um, I used it as a way to like meet up with friends and also just like, it felt nice to get outside. So I think that was a big part of it. And then people were like, Oh, this is walking outside. is. Is really nice. So I think a connection, a connection activity,
0: plus just it's easy to do. It
1: doesn't cost anything.
0: Yeah. And I think it's kind of holding strong to that behavior of like a walk and talk or walking to socialize. Dana, what about you? Yeah. I think that, you know, maybe walking has
2: cauliflower and Brussels sprouts publicists because it definitely got <laughs> so up in the last few years. Like I feel like it's between the mental health walk, the walk and talk, the hot girl walk. There's definitely like walking has now been like codified as like a cool activity to do as like, Hey, take a mental health walk, like in the middle of the day, like take a call while you're walking. Hot girl walks are like always going to be a thing that, I mean, maybe not always, but I feel like that's <laughs> at least going to be trendy a couple more years. And I think that, you know, honestly I think it's a great thing because, again, the former studio I worked with um, was a running walking studio. And so we absolutely pivoted and talked about the health benefits of walking. And there are so many. And it is the most baseline, basic exercise. And I think a lot of people felt so discouraged and just not sure where to start, not to mention terrified during the pandemic. So I think walking just seemed, quote unquote, the easiest thing, you know, because a lot of people were starting running routines or starting to do something else. But I think walking was the simplest go outside Start walking there, you know, like it's just going to be good for you. So I think that that's that's lasted, and I'm I'm honestly really happy too to see that walking is such a popular activity because
0: I can do it. (laughs) No matter no matter what state you're in too, Um, which is great. Like good day, bad day, Um, you can always put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I I mean for me when it comes to walking, like I I also thought of it as just a way to escape too because we were doing everything at home. Um, During that time, I mean, like we're not saying anything groundbreaking here, but I think the fact that walking has stuck around is really interesting Mm -hmm. Um, because so like during the pandemic, it was an escape. It was a way to socialize. It was something that everybody could do. But now it's kind of it has like held strong where folks are saying like, okay, this is a part of my routine that I'm not letting go of. This is movement. I'm not commuting to the office. I'm not doing these things anymore on at least like two or three days a week but i still can walk or i still can have this time to just like reset or maybe i would have been in the car or i would have been walking to the office or i would have been on the train so i think it's kind of replaced the commute in in some ways too which is which is interesting as well and i i i mean i like a walk i i've got again the two dogs one that bites me to communicate <laughs> And the And the other one that loves me deeply. The, the puppy will love me eventually. but God damn it, she bites me. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by Puma Running. I'm running in the Puma deviate Nitro 2 these days, and thank you for asking. my new shoes do help me run faster. There's something special in the foam. I would call it magic, but I feel like I'll get in trouble with the hashtag lawyers. Either way, the Deviate Nitro 2 features a full-length layer of premium nitro elite foam at the midsole for supreme cushioning and peak propulsion. You heard me, propulsion. This running shoe gives your stride the perfect rock, powered by the innovative platform design, which acts as a lever for maximum energy transfer at toe-off. Learn more about this must-have for running season at asweatlife.com backslash puma. That's a s w e a t l i f e dot com backslash p u m a. All right, we've talked about hit, uh, but it's steadily fallen. Um, any any other uh, any other news to add here on why hits fallen? Any other things you're thinking of? Actually, I think we covered it. But let's say our least favorite. High-intensity interval training activity. Kelly, you go first. Burpees, jump squats, or mountain climbers? Oh, burpees
1: then for sure. I actually love jump squats. Do you really? Uh, Yeah,
2: Yeah, I can do a jump squat of all of those over anything.
0: Yeah, me too, I guess. Um, I think that I hate mountain climbers the most out of those three. I would rather do a burpee than a mountain climber.
2: I really hate high knees. Like as a (laughs) woman with a large chest, like, yeah, I was going to say it's like, never like, it's just a lot. It's a lot of things. (laughs) It's just, it's just not what I want to do. Burpees. I also hate. So yeah, I'm not a fan of hit all around. So yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Just
0: falling by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Heine is, you don't think about that as a as a, it's very small.
2: I mean, it's I honestly think there. HIT should just rebrand itself to interval training. People would be more on board. I think just HIT now has this like really intense conversation. And I feel like interval training is, is great. Like I love a good AMRAP, but but I, I don't want it to be HIT. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about strength. Uh, this is one of those things that we've loved to watch over the years for a lot of reasons. One, um, because it was our number one exercise type before, you know, like walking was a thing. Um, but it also, we broke it out um, during COVID, during the pandemic. And what I mean by that is we broke out strength with just body weight uh, and strength with equipment. Because it was interesting to us to see who was doing what with what they had. Um, so... As we watched folks continue strength training, strength with body weight overtook strength with equipment in 2020 and 2021. Um, But strength, body weight, and equipment were were slots two and three. Um, So why that's interesting is now in 2022, strength with equipment is number two and strength with body weight is number three. So that's telling us that more people have access To equipment, more people – we know more people are back in the gym compared to last year. Um, So strength with equipment is back. Net, net, strength with equipment is back. Uh, What's driving women into the weight room, though? Kelly, what you got? I feel like you've got some TikTok theories.
1: (laughs) Uh, So the data, it correlates to everything that was going on in the world. 2020, 2021, we were working out at home. We had nowhere else to go. Most of us didn't have equipment, and it was really hard to find. Uh, So it makes sense that you probably were doing a lot of body weight, and now you want to get stronger using equipment. So I think that just – it correlates to what happened in the world around us Uh, as far as tic tac -tac trends. This this is all –
0: like it all makes sense, but I think it's interesting directionally to sort of see like, okay, like, yes – we, what we think to be true is that people have hands-on equipment again, and the data shows, like, yes, people are picking up heavy things, putting them back down again, um, and, and are less reliant on things like push-ups, bodyweight squats, et cetera. Dana, what do you think? Any, any ideas on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's also
2: like there's been more infrastructure built around it over the last you know two three years. I think there's more strength training programs. There's you know, Ladies Who Lift. I know it's been around, but you know they they've gravitated towards lot you know lots of new members and and people adapting to their program. So I think there's a lot more resources now, including on social media, for specifically women doing strength training. And I know that we just came out of the goal for a strength training program, but I think that you know more and more and as kind of like scary as the world is and like as I also think a lot of women got into true crime during pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like getting stronger and like that being able to like have more body strength, I feel like is that's like a great thing to have. So honestly like that maybe had there's no correlation behind that. But I do think that women since pandemic have just kind of like wanted to get stronger. Um so yeah, that might
0: be part of it. Or completely off the wall. Who knows? I like that theory, the true crime theory. Um, BT dubs, Sarah, one of our writers recently penned a piece on a spotlight. We'll link to it in the show notes about true crime and whether it's good or bad for your mental health. I think that's super interesting. You definitely should read it. The answer is both good and bad, depending on how and why you watch it. Um, that's always true for mental health, but I I like that. That's your theory, Dana, because sometimes, you know, like I actually, Walking down the street, sometimes we'll think about, like, what would I do? And then I'll count the things on my person that could be used as a weapon. Like, for example, the the Stanley water thermos. Anyway, let's talk about cycling. (laughs) Cycling. In 2019, 56.9% of respondents made indoor cycling a part of their fitness routines. That has steadily fallen However, there's been like a little bounce around. So in 2022, that number was 20.2. That was mid-COVID numbers. And in 2020, or I'm sorry, in 2020, it was 20.2%. So many 20s and 2s, you know what I'm saying? But in 2022, (laughs) the cycling number bounced back to 32.6%. So it ebbed and it flowed. It fell, but it's back a little bit. So we're experiencing a little rebound we're still pretty far behind those pre-pandemic numbers. Do we think cycling's ever coming back? Uh, What's going on here? Kelly, you want to go first or second?
1: I'll go first because I don't have a lot to say on cycle because I'm not, it's never been my thing that I've been into. I I would go to the occasional cycle class. Um, It was fun, but I would always be the one in the back like, not trying very hard. (laughs) And I, and that's typically not how I am in workouts. It's just like, it's not my jam. So I don't, I personal experience. I don't have much to say because
0: it's just not my thing. Love it for you. Dana, what you got anything to add here?
2: So cycle was my thing pre-pandemic. I love, I still do love a good cycle class. Um, I think I mentioned this in last week's episode, but I do think that cycling was one of the like, quote unquote, scariest workouts during COVID. And after COVID, it just feels very close and a lot of high fives and a lot of, you know, sweat rolling around it in the dark. It just kind of has the opposite feeling that you wanted to have. That being said, I love a good cycle class. I do think the reason we're also seeing a dip is there was an oversaturation of cycle studios. I definitely think around 2019, I think that was also when SoulCycle was really peaking. Um, and you know, there was flywheel and cycle bar and all these studios. And I felt like there was a cycle studio on every, every corner. So I do think we've pared down a little bit. I don't think, you know, hot take, SoulCycle is on Class Pass now. So I don't think they're doing as, as well as they used to. Um, you know, so I think that it's just not the new sexy thing like that it once was. Um so I don't know if we're ever gonna get back to those, that 50%. Um, but I don't know. I love cycling and I I want to get back to feeling like I want to be in a cycle class because when you're in a great cycle class, it's like the best feeling.
0: Yeah. And I also think the two, the two sort of top brands um, that innovated cycling, so Flywheel and SoulCycle, um, they both had sort of an elitism um, at their core differently. So like SoulCycle's elitism was like, Cool kids, you know, like this is the thing we spend money on. We buy the clothes, we book the front row. You know, like there was definitely like a a cool factor. It, it was the like hot lunch table, and then flywheel. It was based on performance. So like you win the class, and and you like have bragging rights. So I think with I I think that those forms of I hate to call them like elitism, but those forms of like elite performance or elitism in fitness, like I think they're waning. I think fitness as a luxury good, we talked about this last week, like fitness as a luxury good, it'll be here to stay in some ways for a while, but I don't think on as broad of a scale. Um, So both, I think both of those studios, we know like rest in peace flywheel, that flywheel um, sort of lost its bag to um, its settlement with Peloton and the, um, the bike snafu. Um, so it's no longer with us, but I I do think soul cycle has less of a place in like the modern humans studio fitness routine. All right. Last thing to break down here is running. Um, we talked a little bit about running in the beginning because I talked about how the numbers have fallen. Um, it's less a part of as many people's routines as it was. But in 2022, 35.27% told us that they made running part of their routines. But we also added a question this year. We asked respondents if they completed a time race or endurance event over the past year. Um, I was curious, so why not ask? And what we found was that 31.9% had, um, which is really close to that 32.9%. Or 35.27% who were running. So I think what we're finding out is if you're not training for a race, you're probably not running, um, is kind of what we're seeing here. Um, regardless, running's holding steady at spot number five. I think Dana, let's lean on your knowledge here a bit from your time as CMO at Stride. What do you see um changing in running and what do you think the future of running is? Yeah, I think that running is definitely
2: becoming more approachable, which I think is great. Um, so that's something that we really leaned into at Stride. It was meant for all levels and the way that we did that and something I would highly recommend if you are interested in getting involved in walking and running, and this is my resource for the week, um, that you should check out Stride Fitness. I think it's a really great concept. Use woodway treadmills. Um, and it's all done in interval training. So you're done at your own pace. It's done through a leveling system. So again, you can kind of choose your your your, um, incline, if you're doing walking, you can choose your distance if, or your speed if you're doing running. Um, so I think that that kind of approachability is something that, that runners and running is leaning more into the fact that anybody can do it. You can start anywhere. I think that couch to 5k and couch to 10k programs are seeing success. And I think a lot of people are running for the first time in races, um, and really using that as a way. And I know we're about to do goal for it running part two, which is very exciting. And I'm sure we're going to see even more of that. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the biggest thing is, that running i think used to be a little more of kind of an elitist workout where it was like you know if you're a runner you know and you're you're running on trails and you're running in this intense gear and i think that covid definitely the pandemic definitely kind of softened the mentality and the idea of people starting running and made that much more approachable. Um, and I do think that running kind of rebranded itself, I would say, um, to be something that is really beneficial. I think during pandemic, especially people were focused on their cardiovascular and their respiratory health. And those are two amazing things that, that running can help with. So I think running was the perfect workout to come out of the pandemic. And I'm not surprised that it's, it's kind of still as strong as it is.
0: Yeah. Kelly, I know that you're running on trails a ton where you are in Colorado. So you're probably more of a runner now than you Mm -hmm. were previous to to COVID. Um, Anything you've learned in your trail running pursuits? I love it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I, uh, did run when
1: I was in Chicago, but then when I found group fitness, I was way more into that than I was running. Uh, I did run one marathon and it was really hard and I didn't train Uh, well for it and then I was like maybe I'm not a long distance runner and that's why I like hit because I love sprints but what I love about trail running is you go you're going pretty slow like you're not you're not going fast because you're up you're down there's things to watch out for but it's as much of a mental game as is it physical just because you have to like really pay attention to your footing and I've definitely I've caught I've caught the trail running bug for sure I'm really into it. And I signed up for my first half half marathon trail run.
0: Woo! Yeah. Oh. I I would come spectate, but I feel like I would have to just stand on a mountain. <laughs> Which, that's fun. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> and now it's time for show and tell. Let's share a tip, a resource, or an article you referenced uh, this week or used as you were creating the state of fitness. I point at myself. Dana, what's your tip or resource this week? Well, I mentioned three different
2: workouts that I enjoy on this, on this here episode. So Aloe Moves, I highly recommend if anyone does like to do yoga at home, it's got a ton, a ton of different classes. You can organize by how you want to take it, the length. And the nice thing about it that I love is instructors from all over the world teach. So it's really cool. They have beautiful backdrops and it's just nice. Um, And again, there are some that are like 10 minutes, which I love. Um, Stoned and Toned, if you are a cannabis user and you like to indulge in cannabis before you work out, and yes, that is something that you can do. Um, it is a great female-focused um, community um, that releases daily workouts. I really love it. Um, again, it really leans into the, the medicinal benefits of the cannabis flower. And then also Stride Fitness. Um, I Wish I knew offhand how many Studios Drive Fitness have now, but they are all over the country. And if you are interested in walking and running, I do highly recommend taking a class because um, they're really approachable. And as someone who does not enjoy running in any way,
1: shape, or form, I used to love our classes. So those are my recommendations for the week. Hot take. Kelly, what about you? (laughs) So my resource is the article from The Hill called What is TikTok's Hot Girl Walk? And this was published a little while ago, but it's... um, I love how it talks about like the origin of it. So basically January, 2021, there was a TikToker that talked about hot girl walks. And she basically said that it simply encouraged you to get up, get out and go for a long walk alone or up with workout buddies for the purpose of mental and physical health. And this is something I hadn't heard before, but in her video, she kind of has some rules and there's three rules. One is <laughs> one that when you're on your hot girl walk, you're thinking of things you're grateful for. Number two oh, I is love that. number two is your goals. You're thinking about your goals and how you're going to achieve them. And number three is how hot you are. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, it, and I think it's so crazy too. There's so many um, like Chicago girls walk. Arkansas girls walk like any, any city now has a community of girls that are ladies, women are that are walking. Um, so you can find that on social media too, and it's free and you're just like meet up and, and you get to walk.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: <laughs> Who do the boys walk with? I know. You know and how? I was actually thinking about this cause I was looking at these TikToks where it's like tons of women walking. And I was like, man, and that looks so cool. But if there was like hundreds of guys walking down the street, I'd be like, I don't know. It's such a weird, different vibe. Yeah. But also like yeah. I want them to be able to like meet guy friends and walk together. Like that's great. Yeah, but I feel like friends. it'd be like intimidating to see that many dudes walking together. Mm, yeah. <laughs>
0: These are the yeah, thoughts I was cool. thinking when I was looking that's at the video. Energy. That's a different
1: energy. That's different energy.
0: It yeah. It is. Uh, I mean, this is why we all need to read the book "The Power" because it makes you think about like gender dynamics too. Uh,
2: Anyway, if they call them like "sexy bro walks," we'd all be like, "Ew, get out!" Like,
0: I would demand that they all wear crop tops because it would instantly, it would instantly take it from like, "Oh God, these men might be," avalanching the city into like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of bros in crop tops." Like, that'd be cute.
2: Crocs, because also that would take down the intimidation <laughs> Crop tops and
0: Crocs. Yeah, you can't chase me. <laughs> and you got a funny little midriff thing going on. Okay. Um, my resource this week is the I'm, – I'm going old school here, but the CDC's physical activity guidelines. I really just want to celebrate the fact that the sweat life reader, on average, meets or exceeds the CDC's physical activity guidelines, which are approximately – 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity physical activities and two days a week of muscle strengthening activities. You did it friends. You did it. All right. Here's something we're loving this week. It will fall under food, friendship, fitness, or fun. Like everything we do. Dana, what's your thing you're loving? Um, well, I
2: haven't done it yet, but I'm very excited. I'm going to do a co working day with my friends at the Hoxton Hotel. So, we're going to buy day passes and just have a little bougie working day. And that's my friends and I, who I know through my old fitness jobs. Uh, we used to work together every day. So, it's something that we try to do once a month. We try to get together and co work together so we can remember uh, how fun it is. And uh, someone who works from home by myself most of the time, I'm very excited
0: about it. I like that. I think it's $35 for a day pass, right?
2: 30, but yes, it's
0: a little. That's it's not that bad. It's yeah. 50 for a day pass at WeWork. Okay. Kelly, what are you loving this week?
1: Uh, I am loving my Puma trail runner shoes. Our, we are friends with Puma and they, they sent out a bunch of running shoes to our ambassadors, which was so awesome. And I got mine too. And I, I love them. But as I mentioned, I I am now a trail runner. And so when we talked to our friend Luke on the call, I mentioned that. And so he sent me a pair of um, trail runners. And I really like how they look. I really struggle with fitness shoes in general. I feel like I always like the guys' colors way better than the girls' colors. And I really like how these look.
0: Um, So, yeah, I'm happy about it. Yeah, I like to keep it simple, black, white, or neon green. Those are my favorite colors to wear in running shoes. Okay. What I'm loving this week is Studio 3 and Foxtrot, the combination. What I mean by that is my husband's away when we're recording this. He's in Miami. I am a single dog mom with the puppy and the dog. So when I leave, I need to make it efficient (laughs) because the puppy is potty training. So I go to a Studio 3 class and on the way home, I get Foxtrot and it has made my evening's be I did it once. (laughs) It made my evening, but I'm going to do it again today. And I really am looking forward to it after my yoga class. This has been another episode of We Got Goals, which is in a sweatlife.com production, which is another thing that's better with friends. Thanks to Dana and Kelly for being here with me today. Thanks to Ryan Deffett for editing, Ryan Barry for video production, and to you, our listeners, for listening, subscribing, liking, reviewing, all that stuff wherever you get your podcast. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.